So we have been on this journey and uh, starting our series called... Yes, yes, some of you got it. Why am I here for goodness sake? And we've been looking at Genesis, the origin of all things. And we've been looking at how in Genesis God created man and why. We're trying to figure out God. Why are we here? What's the whole purpose? Many, many sociologists, psychologists, etc. will tell you that one of the biggest questions that man is asking is, why am I here? Who am I? And these are the questions that God answers. You can only know the answer to these questions in God because he made you. Amen. And so we started with the fact that he made us to be his image bearers. Amen. We had a powerful message, a tremendous message. And then Sammy, and a, a good message on Good Friday. What's so good about Good Friday? And then last week, Carol shared about resurrection life on Easter. And I hope you all had an amazing Easter weekend that we celebrated what Jesus did. And today I want to take it further. Can any of you guess what I'm going to share on today? Wow, you guys are cool. You can read. So, Father, I ask that you would just come visit us again today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here, and I ask that you'd even increase right now. I bless every person here. I bless every person watching online. I bless every person in the overflow outside, those gathering there. We, we just declare right now, we give ourselves to you for these next few minutes to say, Jesus, speak to us, minister to us, open our hearts, open our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears. We, we want to be more like you. We don't want to just go through the motions. We want to be who you created us to be. So remove every veil, remove every lie. Remove the treadmill that some of us are on and for us to say, put me back in my purpose, Lord. Bless us, bless this word, let a double-edged sword come and move in our hearts today. And all God's people said, Amen. Uh, now, today I, I'm going to ask you to start by asking yourself a question. And that question, I, I don't know, so you can ask yourself any question, but I have a particular one that I want you to ask. What is the greatest desire of your heart? Just think about that right now. If you, ha if you could ask for anything, you know, if you could just say, I, I could just have this one thing, what would it be? And be honest with yourself because you don't have to answer it. You don't have to write it on a piece of paper. No one's going to pass the mic because we know we're having problems with mic anyway. So what is the greatest desire of your heart? What is that? I know you have many, but the greatest one. And then as you're thinking about that, I, I want you to think about what do you think is God's greatest desire for you? Hmm. Right, how do those two line up? Because let me say this, if God created you, and he's a loving God, he is not an angry, vengeful, wrathful God, he is a loving father. We have to change the way we see God. If he's a loving father who created us to experience extreme fulfillment and joy in who we are in him, then the only way you're going to experience that fulfillment is if the desire of your heart lines up with his desire for your heart. Can you agree with that? Uh, anything less, will you will just be frustrated. And I know so many, in fact, I, I've been saved for 102 years and, and most of that time... I was frustrated because I was running after my own things and it took me quite a while and it's still taking me a while to align to what God really wants for me. 
because we have this fallen nature. We have these selfish desires. And unless we learn to lay them aside, you will never be fulfilled. And the lie of the enemy is what he said to Eve. If you just have this. Truth is, if you have God and everything he has for you and you live in how he designed you, you will be so fulfilled and so full of joy. So of all of these messages we've been sharing, today I want to talk about what is the fuel, what is the life, what is the fire that empowers these things that God created us to be and do. And, and I'm going to look at in the cool of the day, we have the scripture, which most of us know. This was something that God did every day. He walked with them in the garden. He just didn't plonk Adam and Eve there and say, all right, guys, listen, you've got a job to do. Look after the planet. If you don't do well, I'm going to club you. That is not how it went. He loved them. He said, I'm going to do this amazing thing. You're going to co-create with me. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to show you stuff. Have you seen this plant? You know, this one over here, if you crack it open and then do this and this, man, it's delicious. He was showing them, walking with them. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, but they had just sinned. <laughs> They'd just done uh, their selfish thing. And so they ran away and hid this time. But most of the time, they didn't run away and hid. hid. They didn't run away and hid. They didn't run away and hide. <laughs> most of the time, they would walk with God in the cool of the day. They'd fellowship with him. Now all of a sudden they've been separated. You see, if we talk about what is God's primary desire for us, God made us like no other creature. Would you agree? Firstly, he created all of creation and said, right, that's good. Then he said, now I'm going to make someone that I can walk with. Someone who has my image. He made us in his image. And then he breathed his spirit into us. We are the only creation, the only creature in creation that is one with God. We carry his image. We carry his spirit within us. He wanted us to be like him, to walk with him, to relate to him like no other creature could. Adam and Eve threw that away. Wow. <laughs> Don't judge. We might have done the same. I probably would have done the same thing. Depends what kind of fruit it was. My wife loves fruit, you know. Um, if, it was, if it was me, oh, well, no, we're not going to go down that road right now. God's primary desire for us is relational intimacy. God did not create Adam and Eve because he needed someone to look after the garden. He didn't create Adam and Eve for the garden. He created the garden for Adam and Eve. He didn't need to be worshipped. You know, I, I've taught and heard many messages that God created us to worship him. In Genesis, actually, God created us to walk in relational intimacy with him. And as we do that and see his glory and see how amazing his worship is a natural response. Are you hearing me? God didn't create us because he needed us. He created us because he wanted a family. He wanted to expand his family. He wanted sons and daughters. He could walk in the cool of the day, made in his image, one in relationship with him, representing him on earth. Hmm. So... If God's primary desire is intimate relationship with us, then anything I try to get fulfillment out of that is not intimate relationship with God is going to not just frustrate me, but lead to idolatry. All those comfort mechanisms. How many of you have really been comforted by other comfort mechanisms? They work for a bit, don't they? That's why we go to them. <laughs> sin is pleasant for a season. The Bible says that, you know. We don't sin because it's horrible and awful. But why do you think God hates sin? 
Not because he's like a mean God, you evil sinner. He doesn't hate you, he hates sin because sin separates you from relational intimacy with him. Why did Jesus die on the cross to destroy sin? Because he wants to restore relational intimacy with him. And so much of the world and so much of church and religion is this, God will beat you up and you evil sinner and how can you, you're going to go to hell. That is not how God thinks. God looks and he says, why are you doing that? It's going to separate you from me. I want you to be right here. With, I want to walk in the cool of the day with you. I want you to hear my voice. I want to show you stuff. Why are you going over there? Come back. Adam, Adam, where are you? <laughs> and have you ever been there? So if we understand that God wants us for relational intimacy, there's something we must understand about intimacy with God. Is that, imagine if we got married, if Carol and I, we, we are married, by the way. We should get married, all the kids are getting big, you know, so... Um, but if Carol and I got married, and if you married someone, and all you did was look into each other's eyes, and oh, we're so beautiful, and just love each other, and all it was was just this face-to-face -face intimacy, the marriage would actually eventually just run out of something. Because intimacy always has a purpose. When Carol and I got married, God brought it, we both knew we wanted to plant churches. We wanted to build the kingdom. We wanted to go throughout Africa. We, we got most of the southern part yeah we and we went places we did stuff and that made our intimacy worth something pulled you closer together why did god put them in the garden to work because he knows that working together not work for me work with me and when you do stuff with people that's why we say to people sign up on a serving team you'll get closer to people it'll do more in your heart than just sitting in a chair every sunday when you work together there's more intimacy there's more relational connection and so God is always on a mission. So intimacy with God has to be intimacy with purpose. And we see this pattern in scripture. Firstly, we see that God creates man in his image. God breathes his spirit in him. So he wants us to be one with him. No other creature can do that. No other creature has his image. He wants us to be one with him. And then he walks in the cool of the day with man. He wants to not just be one with us, not just we carry your image, we carry your spirit. He wants to walk with you so that that oneness grows, so that we're on a journey together. We're getting closer together. And out of that walking with him, he says, now come, let me show you what I'm going to let you do with me. We work with him. And it's not working for him. Because religion... Work for God so you can make him happy with you. God's not into religion. He hates religion. Jesus had nothing good to say about the religious. He loves relationship. Christianity is relationship. Religion is due. Christianity is done. And so Jesus wants us to come into a restored relationship with him, but we see this pattern throughout scripture where he says, I want you to be one with me. I want you to walk with me so we can work together. Everyone say with me, one, walk, work. And I wish one was spelt with a wobble woo. I was gonna spell it with a wobble woo, but then some of you would say, well, you know, one, walk, work. You'll see this pattern throughout Scripture. Scripture, actually, when you study it, you will see that we reveal a loving God who wants to do what? Be one with us. 
We're the only ones that can carry His Spirit, His image. He wants to walk with us in loving intimacy, not with a big stick. And He wants to work with us as co-laborers to fulfill His plans, bring His will and way wherever we go. So I'm going to quickly look, do a whistle-stop tour through the beginning, the middle, and the end, because if it's throughout the whole of Scripture, most of you know we don't have time to read the whole Bible this morning. Now, I know all of you have memorized the whole Bible, but for those who haven't, we've seen in the beginning, this, the first thing ever shown us is that God made us to be one with Him, to walk with Him, to work with Him. Adam and Eve threw that away. Who wrote the book of Genesis? Moses. Yes. And Moses, why did God choose Moses? Moses was one of the most unique characters Men of God in the Old Testament, one of the most powerful. God chooses Moses, and we see some things about Moses. So I'm going to look in the beginning where Moses wrote the beginning, right? Moses wrote Genesis. And I want you to see this pattern in Moses. God comes and speaks to Moses in a burning bush. That doesn't mean if you see a burning bush, rush over and start speaking to it. You know, it's got to be a God moment. But I, you can join me in Exodus 33. I'm just going to read this for you quickly. But it describes something about Moses. Exodus 33. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. I've often read that. I go, God, would you do that to me? Have you ever done that, you know? So Moses says to the Lord, you've said, Moses, I know you. I know you by name. You have found favor with me. And Moses says, if you please with me, then teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor. Moses wasn't, ah, thanks God. Yeah, I'm the man. In fact, Moses himself wrote, Moses was the most humble man in the world. Now that's true humility, right? I'm so proud of my humility. I'm going to write that down. Moses wanted more. Let me say this, oneness doesn't mean, oh, I got your image, I got your spirit, hallelujah. It's done. Got my ticket to heaven, woohoo. I could just live how I want now. Moses was like, I want more. So God says this to him, all right, Moses. Moses, let me tell you this. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That literally means my presence will come and habitat with you. Now this word go, I will go with you. You've all read this scripture, right? Remember, there were times Moses said, if you don't go with us, don't send us. And, you know, this word go is an interesting word. It doesn't necessarily mean go. It's the word yolak, right? I'm sure that because it's got a W-L-A-K, they just spelled it wrong. And that's where we got the word walk from. I'm not sure. But it literally means to walk with. So God says, I will walk with you. I will lead you. I will carry you. And then Moses comes back and he says, if you do not holak with us. Now, that's an interesting one. He says, if you don't walk with us, this means to walk continually in conversation and fellowship with each other. Isn't this powerful? It's not just walk with us. Okay, God's with us. Let's go. It's like, God, you're with me. I'm conversationally, conversationalizing. And Moses said, holak with us. Otherwise, don't send us from this place. I wish some of us would be like that. God, don't send me to work today unless I'm walking with you. God, I'm not, I'm not opening that front door unless you go with me. You might have a better day if we were like that. 
Oh, John, you're an hour late for work. Sorry, I'm waiting for God. Let's go. And then Moses says, I beseech you, I implore you, show me your glory. And God shows him his glory. Man's supposed to die when he sees God's glory. God shows him his glory. And Moses ends up with a shining face. It was the first non-irradiated fire light they'd ever seen. And it says the Israelites couldn't even bear to look at him because it was so glorious. So, Moses. God said, I'm one with Moses like no one else. But we're going to walk. And do you see what that walk means? And then, what about work? Can I read what Deuteronomy says? When Moses died, it says this. No one has ever done the mighty power, performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Did Moses work first to please God? No, Moses did absolutely nothing. In fact, he ran away. If you run away, God will find you. It's not up to you. It's his grace and his quality. And he says, Moses, come. Moses said, okay, I'll come. And then out of that intimacy, out of that, I want more. Show me your glory. I want more favor. God says, Moses, because you want more, because you're walking with me in such close oneness, I'm going to allow you to do amazing works. How many of you want to do amazing works for God? But we want God to just do it because I prayed 10 minutes this morning. God, would you please do amazing works? Thanks. See you tomorrow. I'm off to work, God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Why do you think Moses experienced more of God than most Christians do today and we have the Holy Spirit in us? Do you see that heart? Pressing into God, always wanting more. But the interesting thing is that here's Moses. One walk, work. Can you see it in Moses' life? But in Corinthians, I've, I've cried, I've prayed, God, give me this. I want to be like Moses. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7, Paul says something interesting. He says, even though Moses had a shining face, and some of you want that in his place, it is now all by God's grace. He says that old covenant, even though it came with glory, is far less glorious than the new covenant. Wow. He says the ministry of Moses is far less glorious than the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And the new covenant comes with greater glory. Who brought the new covenant? Jesus paid a very high price to take us from what looks really glorious with Moses into something way more glorious. Everyone just say, yeah. That's the South African amen. <laughs> Moses said, uh, Moses' glory faded. Paul says the glory we have now by the ministry of the Spirit will never fade. So Jesus, we know the story of Jesus. He spends three years walking with his disciples, showing them what the Father's really like. Because the religious leaders had no idea. And I want to say to you, some of you grew up in religion, which is all about works, all about serving God, all about what we must do, all about rules and regulations. And God wants to change the way you see him. If you see a God who looks any different to the loving Jesus who demonstrated and said, this is who God really is, then you need to change the way you see God. If you have a church that prostitutes and sinners are flocking to, and yes, maybe even tax collectors, 
Sars, you are welcome. <laughs> then you have a Jesus church. If you have a church that's like, you know there's prostitutes there, we can't do that, you are a sinner, you, whatever it might be, you know. Judging, judging, judging. Jesus didn't judge. Jesus, man, the sinners loved Jesus. Do sinners love our church? Just saying, if we got a Jesus church, sinners will love to be here. And so Jesus, what did he do? He was not just one with God, he was God, right? <laughs> Showed them the loving relational heart of God. He walked with God so closely that he was led by the Spirit in absolutely everything he did. He never outstepped. He never walked somewhere that God wasn't leading him. This is Jesus as a man, not Jesus as God, showing us what's possible as a man, as a woman, with the Holy Spirit inside of you. He was led by the Spirit. What about works? He said, my friends, I don't do anything unless I see what my Heavenly Father is doing. Jesus wasn't saying, Dad, I'm working. Are you happy with me, Dad? Because I'm working hard here for you. No, it's the other way around, friends. Relational love and intimacy goes, Dad, what are you doing? What do you want me to do today? Shop. Let's go. Dad, what you don't want me to do today? I'm so stressed. Well, son, you know, <laughs> I gave you that to do, and then you decided all of that, you know. So uh, I didn't, I, you know, do you hear what I'm saying? Relational intimacy leads to us working in Jesus. And what about the disciples? He then says to his disciples, he comes to his disciples and he says, I've restored you back now. He breathed on them. His blood made them righteous after the cross and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit back. And then he said, not only have I walked with you for three years, I'm leaving now. What? But I am giving you something better. You are going to have a parakletos. It literally means one who is called alongside to walk with you. Armor bearer, comforter, guide, teacher. He is going to be closer to you and walk with you better than I could. Because there are times that I was walking and you had to go to a bush somewhere. And we weren't together. But the Holy Spirit will go with you to the bush. He will go with you everywhere. And out of that, he says, you are going to do greater works even than I did. And then he says, guys, listen, all authority, spirit's back. You are now one with me again. You can now walk with me in the closest level of intimacy. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. I'm going to live inside of you. And I don't just want to walk with you. I want that whole lack, your lack. You catch me. I'm going to carry you while you walk conversationally and continuously aware of my presence. And that as you're doing that, you're going to do the works of the Spirit. Holy Spirit going to make you excited. Do you get excited when the Holy Spirit works through you? You know, when you see God in your workplace and you get there early and pray over every desk and every machine and whatever it might be, and you start to release God and say, God, I want to do your work here. Do you know that your work will become exciting? God, I hate my job, but I need the money. Son, let me show you some things I want to do there. Daughter, let me show you some things I want to do there. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, wow, I hadn't seen that person before. Yeah, that one needs some encouragement. Why don't you go and tell them what a good job they did? Suddenly you're on your father's mission, and work becomes fun. And he said, now I'm giving you the job to bring my kingdom. Go preach the kingdom. Doing the works of demonstrating that. So what did he call us to? Be one, walk, work. Say it with me. One, walk, work. And the story doesn't end there. I'm going to wrap up super quickly 
on the end. What happens in the end? There are many words for church, but in the end, we are the bride. You're the army of God. You're the, you're the building. You, you're the workforce. You're the servants. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. But in the end, he calls you my bride. Is there anything that could be more intimate or one than marriage? Marriage is a type and an example on earth. The Bible says in Ephesians of Jesus and the church. So the closest oneness you can ever have is oneness in marriage. Jesus says, I'm going to make you so one that we can have this big marriage feast. What happens in the end? We become the bride of Christ. Woo! Isn't that cool? Men have a hard time with that. So a bride. Women, I know you, you get it. But you have to be called sons of God. So there's all equal. I don't know what you think the end's going to be like. Have you seen the pictures of the people on clouds playing harps? We're in heaven now. <laughs> that is not the way it's going to be. That is the devil. Let me tell you something. I don't want to sit on a cloud and play a harp for all eternity. If God is a creating God who's constantly doing stuff, constantly expanding, constantly creating, constantly going places, constantly going from glory to glory, why would he stop? The Bible tells us that he's going to recreate. This world is going to be recreated. We don't, he's not going to zap us to this like weird no, he's coming down. Jesus comes back. He brings every single one who has been faithful to him. We rule and reign with him on a recreated planet. We're going to create earth with him. We're going to rule and reign this place. There's going to be creation going on. It says that we're going to even govern and rule and reign over angels, nations. Guys, it's going to be stuff. We're going to do stuff. I don't know about you, I'm not excited about playing a harp on a cloud. But when it's like Jesus with me saying, son, I got something for you. And I created you with these gifts, skills, and talents. Daughter, I created you. You are so good at making pasta donata. So guess what? <laughs> and a whole lot of other things. But So when we get to heaven, we're not just going to be one, but we're going to walk with him so close. For all eternity, but we're going to do some stuff, guys. We're going to work. We're going to rule and reign in a recreated creation. Say it again. One, walk, work. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would do a miracle in our lives. For us to really see what it is. Just like Moses, that desire to say, God, I, I love what I got, but I need more. Show me your glory. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would give me the ability to see you, hear you, walk with you in greater intimacy than ever before. No matter what's going on around, no matter how many curveballs the enemy throws, no matter how many challenges, I want to walk through them with you. Lord, I pray for every person here. Would you show them what it means to have your Holy Spirit living inside of them, the oneness you brought us into with you? We're not just down here alone trying to serve you and make you happy. We're down here one with you, partners with you, 
sons and daughters of the Most High God, filled with the power and presence of your Spirit. Show us what it is to walk in intimacy with you, hearing your voice, constantly aware of your presence. Because out of that, we want to do some stuff with you. We want to do some work of the Spirit, work of the kingdom. Bring your will and way wherever we go. And if you're here today and you know, man, I, I like Adam and Eve, man. I, I, I threw that away and I, I want it back. If you're here today, even watching online, and you know, I'm far from God. I came here today and as I sit here, I realize, you know what? I, I haven't, like Moses, given my whole life saying, I want everything that you have for me. I'm living my own life. I haven't accepted the high price Jesus paid to restore to bring me into this new covenant of Him being my Savior, Lord, lover, and be filled with His Holy Spirit, but I want that. And if you're here today and you're saying, I want that, I want to be right with God, I want to become a child of God through what Jesus did, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask us all to just pray this prayer together. And won't you say this, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross to restore me to what you created me to be. I've lived like Adam and Eve. I've done my own thing. I've rebelled against you. But your grace came and chased me. Your grace has found me. Your love has found me. And I turn to you, Jesus. I say thank you. I ask you to take me now as I am, forgive me, cleanse me. I receive the work you did on the cross where you paid the price for me. And I ask you now, be my Lord, be my Savior, fill me now with your Holy Spirit. I want to feel you, know you, hear you, be one with you, walk with you, and work with you. And if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or as a recommitment to get right with Him, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand wherever you are. Why don't you just raise your hand? That was me. Anyone who prayed that for the first time, God bless you. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. Our ushers right now are just handing one of those cards to you, so keep your hand raised. We're going to ask you to just fill out one of those next step cards and say, I prayed that prayer today and we're going to follow up with you. We're going to get someone to minister to you. I'm going to ask you to fill that out. You can go to the info table and one of our follow-up leaders will be there and, and we'd love to pray with you. Please do that afterwards. Go to the follow-up, the info table and let us follow up that decision that you made today. But otherwise, friends, would you just say, Lord Jesus, I give you this week, I give you the rest of today. I want to be more one with you. I want to walk with you closer so that I can do the works you have for me. In Jesus' name. Maybe you just want to yeah, tell Yeah, I skipped that for the sake of time, but thank you, my darling wife. What I felt the Lord say to me, and then I forgot to say it. That's why we have wives. 
I felt like God wanted us to spend this week just meditating in John 15 to 17. The last prayers, the last words that Jesus said before he went to the cross really reveal his heart. And I just closed it in John 17 that as Jesus was praying for those who would believe, that's us, that all of us may be one. God doesn't just want us to be one with him. He wants us to be one with each other. One of the key things is that God loves unity. And the enemy works over time to break the oneness we have with one another, to sow lies about others, to sow lies about your leaders, your connect leader, your connect friend, your, this person. And that. I got hurt in church. How many of you got hurt in church? Join the club. Welcome, 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 welcome. Opportunity to say, Jesus, I forgive and I'm going to be one. I'm not going to let the enemy break that. So may they also be in us that the world may believe that you've sent me. He wants us to be one in him, one with each other. He gave us his glory that we may be one as God and Jesus are one. Isn't that serious oneness? I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Friends, let me say this. Oneness with God will always manifest as oneness with those around you. Amen. Please do meditate on John 15 to 17 and let that scripture just speak to you. Soak it up. Just take a quick photographic memory picture.